With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
And what I'm trying to explain to you, ladies and gentlemen, is the real world that our children live in, not the ideal one that we want them to live in, not this wonderful world that we pray that will come here one day, but the real world that they have to live in. You want to know why they're acting so crazy? You want to know why they're doing the things that they're doing? Because we have not prepared them to live in this real world. We have sent them through 12 years of school teaching them this dumb stuff that doesn't work, and when they go out and try to apply it and get killed for it, we are not there to help them too. Welcome to another round of African Americans Ain't African, the talk show that proves without a shadow of a doubt that the so-called African American didn't find his way to America in the trunk of a ship, in the high seas of the Atlantic Ocean, crossing the ship with all of the terrible waters that are there and came to America to be somebody else's slave. That is not the beginning of the so-called African-American. I know many of us want to think it is, but it's not. So we are the indigenous people here of America, and we are here right now at this time to share some information that we hope will be beneficial, helpful to the community. I'm your host, Buck Weiler, and tonight we're going to take a look at why the so-called African-American is so important. Why is the so-called African-American always in the news? Why is the so-called African-American always invited to the party? We're going to take a look at that tonight, and we're going to go over it. Hopefully you can give us a call and let us know what your thoughts are about it. Area code 605-562-3140. If you want to participate, 240-670. Let us know how you feel about this. Why is the African-American so important? Before we got started tonight, we listened to Curtis Mayfield, Future Shock. We're going to go over those lyrics in a minute because this song was written almost 50 years ago. And it was pretty funky, wasn't it? I know you like that funk. Curtis Mayfield was telling us something a few years ago, and this song went under the re- under the radar. So we're going to go over some of the lyrics that he spoke to you about tonight and see how that, how does that measure up with what we're doing today. And of course, after that, you heard the mama, Dr. Barbara Sizemore, talking to us about how we should start looking at ourselves and at our children. Today is January 15th. Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. Dr. Martin Luther King. There's a new movie out about him called Selma. But my, when I hear Dr. Martin Luther King, what comes to mind is what I'm about to share with you tonight. And this is what I mean about we have to take the good from people. No matter what's going on, there's something good about everybody. And we got to take that, what is good in everybody, and use that to help make ourselves better. That's all life is about, y'all. But in the true spirit of remembrance, I want to share a speech. uh, Just a three-minute clip of a speech that Martin Luther King did over 50 years ago. And this part of the speech, this little piece of the speech, is the impetus for African Americans ain't Africans. I don't want to la- belabor the point, but I want to share this little clip with you. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this clip and we're going to get into the show. 
this is in remembrance of Martin Luther King birthday and when Martin Luther King name is brought up this is what comes to my mind I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation this momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. One hundred years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity 100 years later. The Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition in a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic... That was from Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, August 29, 1963. Now, in American culture, normally when you hear that speech, you hear free at, uh, not free at last, but whatever, it's played when Martin Luther King free at last thank god almighty i'm free at last what i know that's the speech he gave the night before he died but you know who is martin luther king talking about when he's talking about those people who are the negro that came to get that check cashed who are those people in a hundred years later so if he was talking in 1963 who was the people he was talking about in 1863 who were those people that had come to Lincoln and told Lincoln, yo, cuz, you're going to have to do something about this shameful condition we're living in? Who was those people? Those people were you and I. Those people were our parents. Those people were our great-grandparents, our grandparents, our uncles, our brothers, our sisters, our great-aunts. All of that. That's who those people were. He didn't call us Africans. 
He didn't call us Hebrew Israelites. And then to top it off, he hit it on top of the head when he said the Negro finds himself in exile in his own land. Now, I know this is never played to us. I know we don't understand the ramifications because I just don't know. But messages are given to us all the time. Our ancestors speak to us. Our ancestors tell us things. And just sometimes we just don't listen to them for whatever reason. The Negro finds himself in exile in his own land and the Negro is you. He didn't say Africa. He didn't say we can. This is just one example of African-Americans ain't African. I got a million more. But this is one example. And I just want to share this brother because this brother helped flick on the light to make me see. So this is his birthday. I want to say happy birthday, brother. We thinking about you. And like you said. We on our way to that mountaintop, brother, and we're going to give you a high five. Rick Moon, what's going on in North Kakalaki? Not too much, man. Not too much. How's everybody out there doing tonight? Uh, hopefully, we're going to have a good talk tonight. And, of course, from Memphis, the Memphis matriarch, the wonderful Nisi Lachelle. Nisi, how you feeling this evening, love? Hey, hey, crew. How you doing out there, family? Everything is everything. We got it. Nisi, what are, what are your thoughts on that Dr. King speech, That what you heard about that? What do you think about that? Honestly, when I, when I hear that, I think of him, I think of that part of of his life being where he can't, he was at a crossroads because using that language, he had a consciousness, whether it was fully developed or not, it was there. He was a brilliant orator. Dr. King was, he wrote all his speeches, you know, unlike the stuff that we see today, there's no way that he would have put, plucked that out of nowhere and put that into a speech without it having the prophetic meaning that we know it to have today. And it fell right over people's heads. But I think he was at a crossroads. Uh, that was probably the beginning of his so-called, and I don't like using that word, but, you know, it is what it is, his radicalism. That's what I think. So, you say, so you're saying that's the beginning of when he was like, I'm being a cool, I, I can't do this no more. Trying to figure it out, I, be, I believe so. Right. Yeah, I, I, I would wager that. Mm-hmm. So, Nisi, let me ask you this. So, you think, okay, so uh, Dr. King was murdered when he was 39. So, being that uh, our listening audience is that and above, do you think that since we passed that threshold, it's easier to look back and see, you know, what happened in your or what happens in our own lives? where he was at that time. Do you think that's easier to look, do you, and is that helpful to us? It's helpful because when I look back at my mother, her mother, because I was blessed to you know, be able to share a period of time until very young adulthood with my grandmother, these people were mature for their ages. Now, what I see in some of our children, and I love them because I love my young people, I see we're going through ebbs and flows of maturity, 
And a lot of it has to do with systematic things that have happened to them as far as programming. But people back then, you know, people had children and got married at 14 years old, and they were your grandmom and stuff. They had a level of maturity because their third eyes were open, or it was it didn't have veils on them like ours do. So what are your thoughts? What, when you think of uh, Dr. King, what do you think about? I think about a man who was enigmatic in every sense of the word. You know, he's been picked and plucked every which kind of way. And when you think of all the iconic uh, people that are our people, he rises pretty much above the fray. And we have to keep Malcolm there with him because they they were, and I don't want to go into that, but they were two very different people. And then they became, instead of uh, parallels, they end up kind of merging together. But he was a very enigmatic person. He was a deep philosophic person. And I think he understood more of his destiny, what his journey was, what, what his mission was early on in life, and people can be born into that. That's what I believe. Ladies and gentlemen, the niece, she lives in Memphis, right where Dr. King was murdered. And when you go there and check it out, it's a it's a trip feeling. So those who have never been to Memphis, that's something to check out when you're in Memphis. Rick, uh, your thoughts. What do you think when you think of Dr. King? What, what comes to mind with you? Uh, what comes to mind to me is that um, Dr. King knew who he was. Like you said, he didn't mention anything about being African or, or anything like that. He knew who he was. And another thing that, that uh, I think about all the people uh, that were around in those days at those marches, we also have to remember in the 60s, most of our people knew, knew of their uh so-called Indian heritage or indigenous uh, heritage. Most of our people still knew that in the 60s, and that's what comes to mind to me. So, Rick, why do you think that part of the speech that we played tonight, why do you think that part of the speech is you never hear it in the mainstream? Do you think that that would give the uh, African-American or the so-called African-American a tip on who he is? And is that indicative of just trying to keep him in this? He's a, a refugee status by keeping him thinking that he's from uh, four or five thousand miles across the ocean. Yes, I, I believe that uh, uh, had uh, our people known this part of the speech that uh, that you uh, played, I think uh, there could be a, a difference in opinion. And. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, we let uh, other people decide that, and they won, and so they give us the uh, the uh, watered-down part of the speech. Um, before we started tonight, we were listening to a, a song, and I want to give a shout-out to my boy Rock in L.A., because he... He recommended the opening song for the show tonight, Future Shock, by Curtis Mayfield. And, you know, this has been a friend of mine for over 35 years. And he told me to play this song, and, and, I, and I 
I, I love Curtis Mayfield. If you ever listen to Curtis Mayfield music and listen to what this brother was saying, he was hitting it. You know, and it's one of the things about music that I, you know, that we've lost. Because these are the songs that I came up to, and this song came out in 1973. But I want to share the lyrics of this song with you to see what this brother was talking about. And the young people, I'm talking about first grade, six and seven years old. This is what the children was listening to on the radio. Check out the words to this song. Hey, little sister, where's your brother? See your mother standing on the soup line. God bless your father. Ain't got no strength to be bothered. The almighty world, hear me now, whisper on to weigh him down. We got to stop all men from messing up the land. When won't we understand? This is our last and only chance. Everybody, it's a future shock, future shock, future shock. All worldly figures, I'm going to say that again. All worldly figures playing on niggers. Oh, see them passing. See how they're dancing to the superfly. Oh, ain't it wrong when you don't know where we come from. Dancing in our youth. Dying at the truth. It ain't over. Over ain't over it's a future shock the price of the beat higher than the dope in the street check that out the price of the beat higher than the dope in the street is it is it any wonder for those with nothing to eat this song was written in 1973 and this was the song that many people who are now in their 40s and 50s listened to when they were young. And this is why we have to tap into ancestors like Dr. King, like Curtis Mayfield, like your mothers, like your grandmothers, like your fathers, grandfathers, all those spirits that are with us. Those are our spirits and they're still connected to us. And if we keep thinking that we're something that we're not, then other people will come in and steal that energy from us. And that's what's going on. And that's what this song is talking about. That's what Dr. King was talking about. And that's what's happening to us. All the foreigners are coming over here, all worldly figures, playing on niggas. Everybody over here getting paid off of us. And we sitting up here don't, don't have nothing to leave to our children. So these are the things that we have to talk about. But we're going to talk about this as we get into why is everybody, what makes the African-American or the so-called African-American, what makes the so-called African-American so important? So, Rick, we're going to start it off with you. Why do you think that's it? I think uh, the African-American is important because he's the biggest consumer it is, uh, especially in in America, uh, everyone comes over here, come into uh, our neighborhoods and set up shop and get, like you said, pay off of us. 
you know, that's that's a, one of the biggest reasons why we're so important to everybody else anyway. So, Rick, going back to that Martin Luther King speech that, uh, that we just played when he said the Negro finds himself exiled in his own land. Is that the exile he was talking about, that the ex- exile for economics, we don't even control our economics? I mean, I'm sorry. Let's call it what it is. Other people don't spend money with us the way we spend money with them. And we all see that. What is it that keeps us from seeing that? And from my observation, that's what Curtis Mayfield was talking about in that song, Future Shock. Something happened so big that we can't even rec- we don't even recognize what happened is, is what's happening to us. Yeah, uh, no, nah, we don't recognize what's going on. But uh, I, I just think that uh, we were just a uh, victim. Uh, well, I, I can't call us victims because we we we're not really not victims. Uh, we just were we just got duped and, and into accepting uh, a culture, language, everything that that was not that we're not connected to, and less far is is had a negative effect on us. Foreigners flock to our communities to see what we have in our pockets, and normally they get what's in there. Why are we called upon to fight in these wars where we just used to send our sons, now we send our daughters? Is it because we're too weak to build empires for ourselves and leave them to our children? I mean, really. What's the deal, is it? What is the deal with African Americans? So prominent in the field of research, physical, mental, and spiritual, Everything is about us. Everything is about us. And we don't see how important uh, we are. Nisi, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think it's so important for us to have a look about ourselves? Why Why do you think it's thrust upon us that we really don't matter? We really aren't anything. Why do you think that is? Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, in my humble opinion, I agree with with you guys, but here's where I kind of veer off. Everything is, and I capitalize the I-S, everything is about us. Understand that they have to keep our vibration low. They have to keep us um, in a state of confusion, distracted, so that we can never connect to each other, so that we can never rise to the level that we were destined to be. We are the soul people. We are the earth people. We are all of that. We are the original people. So in, in order to keep us beneath the level that we are supposed to be on, we are never supposed to collectively think, have synergies together to rise to that level. So everything is about us. Everybody feeds off of us. If you notice, people emulate us. No matter what we do, they do it. But when we do it and be ourselves, it's wrong. It's wrong for you to want to even uh, uh, open up businesses and do everything that you that we used to do when we had Black Wall Street. Other people will call us racist. Now, what other group do they tell that to when they stay within their collective? That is some bullshit, and that's straight asinine crazy. But we buying it too. But isn't so that you but gotta like, keep you down? Let, Go let's, ahead. Let, let's take the Black Wall Street. That's an interesting point. 
I was talking to a brother a few days ago, and he was saying Black Wall Street, he said, think of the psychologics of the Black Wall Street. They had to tear your stuff down so you would come by from them. They would tear your stuff and make sure your stuff wouldn't grow so you didn't have no other choice but to grow, go to them. And since you're doing it. Yes. And since you are the majority, they'll make a windfall. So they have to stop that in its tracks. And that's what that was. And that's and that's the purpose of history to me. Um, that we can look at those things and see what happens so we can come up with other ways, better ways, so we can uh, circumvent, uh, circumvent that. What I don't understand, and, and maybe if you want to call in, area code 605-562-3140, because I don't know everything. I'm just trying to have where well, we can communicate with each other, and I can learn from you, and hopefully you can learn from me. But the way we're living in this time-space continuum is not conducive to life for any of us. So I would like ideas and like to share ideas on how we can make that better. That's all we're here for. Because what's played in the mainstream, audio and visual, is garbage to me. Why are we so hell-bent on listening to what others tell us about ourselves if you know please give us a call 605-562-3140 send us an email on facebook with an african-american and african chat room share with us because we're trying to figure this out why are we so hell-bent on listening to what other people people who are outside of our collective tell us about ourselves anybody can eat that one it is a, it is forced assimilation. After a point when everything has been stripped from you, all of your 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 the essence of you in terms of your creativity, whatever you created, they took it. They made it their own. They said you didn't do it, but you know you did. Then over time, you know, a mound of lies were heaped and steeped on it, and it made it harder and harder for you to even figure out that you had great this and did these things yourself. So you being us, our people, begin to feel that you don't matter, you don't have anything that that other people have, and you buy into that. And then that becomes a generational mindset. So since you feel you don't matter, you don't have any value, you have nothing to offer because these are the things that have been ingrained in you systematically, then you just stop trying to, do what you should be doing. You look to you look everywhere outside yourself, and you begin to emulate or want to be things that you are not. But it is to your detriment because you are what everyone else sees. They know the secret. You don't. Okay. So can you imagine a brother from Watts going over to Germany to tell those people who they are? Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you can no. you can you imagine a brother from the south side of Chicago going over to to Tibet and telling those people who they are? You can't imagine it. You can't imagine it. Cuz you know it wouldn't work. You know it wouldn't work. So how do no, we imagine it. some dude so how do we imagine some dude named Fard Muhammad comes over here and tell us 
that we are from the lost tribe of Shabazz. How is that possible? And many of us fall for that. We don't think about nothing our parents have told us, our grandparents have told us. We think of nothing that our family has told us. How could foreigners come over here and trick us with a story like that? And we can't do that. I can't go and do that. I can't go to Switzerland and tell those people they are from the lost tribe of Alabama. They'll look at me like I'm a fool. How is it that we can always be tricked like that? Rick, why is that, brother? Why, why, why is that always done? Why is that always possible? And then we have to worry and clean up all the mess that falls out from that? I think that uh, what happened is uh, we just uh, got a trick played on us and, and they made it so uh, it would be, you know, uh, where you think that it was going to be advantageous for you and uh, and, and what it did is it took you out. Take take like like you say, like before the civil rights movement. We had our own stores, uh manufacturing, we had all of that stuff. But we were tricked into buying in on everybody, you know, being able to be able to buy, sell to anybody instead of our own and what what happened was we started to buy into everybody else, but nobody was buying into us, and it just went on downhill from there. You know, uh, actually we go back even further than that. I mean, back into the early days, but you know that's one of the things that that that's happening that has happened in the last since the civil since the civil rights sham. You know that has uh, put us. Uh, in a, in, a, in the bind that we're in right now. How do we explain? So I come to your house. I come into your house and start to tell you who you are, what you are, where you are to live, where are you to go to the bathroom. I'm going to take your master bedroom. I'm going to put you in the closet. That's essentially what has happened to the so-called African-American and that's the reason why the world is running over here to sit in Central North America. Central North America's, I'm not, Central North America is just part of the Americas that stretches from the North Pole to the South Pole. The North Pole to the South Pole. Think of the energy that is running through those two points and think of the people who are the inheritors of that continent, the people who that continent produced. America produced the so-called African-American. America produced your grandmothers and grandfather. And since it produced you, this, you are here to take care of her. That's why everybody's running over here, because they know we don't know that. That's why people are standing in line now in India to sell their hair, because they can't believe there's a people over there who hates themselves so much they can't even stand their hair. The women of America, 
the males of America, they hate themselves so much that they will go bald because they cannot stand the crown that comes out of their head. And, and, and to add on to that, uh, Buck, uh, also, you know, the so-called African-American, uh, why are you so, you, you're not just only important to all these foreigners that's coming in here, you're also important to America because you were the people that were chosen to be here in America and you were the people that were, like Buck said earlier, chosen to take care to protect this ecosystem called America. Uh, all, all, no matter where you go, all over the world, someone is responsible into keeping that place, you know, in order. And America is what was assigned to us. And everybody else knows that except us. That's why they can come over here and just claim everything and not give you anything. But I'll tell you what, uh, if you don't, if we don't straighten out as a people, life's going to take care of us too, because life will not protect what doesn't protect life. What makes us so important? What makes us so special? If you want to, if you think you're important, give us a call, area code 605-562-3140. Give us a call, send us an email, We'll read your question on the air. Facebook, send us African Americans ain't African on Facebook. Let us know what you're thinking, let you know how you feel. We want to open up the phone lines now. We have a few callers online. If anybody want to participate, please. You have the mic. If you look at commerce, like Rick said, I, I call it consumerism. I asked a young cat around here today. I said, how much and we're in Birmingham. How much money you think is spent on blunts in Birmingham a day? Your brother said something that kind of barely intelligent. These kids are on top of it. He said about $3 million is spent in Birmingham a day on blunts. Wow. Brothers came, brothers, and I asked them, how come brothers don't produce blunts? I said, if it's $3 million in Birmingham, what do you think it is in Atlanta? He was like, shh, probably five times as much. That's the commerce. And that's just blunts. Something that's neg negligible. Something that we don't ne really need. Just in those two cities alone, this brother estimated that just on blunts alone, that's about $15 million. This is why we're important in commerce because we buy up anything that everybody sells and we don't even produce anything. We're not even thinking about it. And the ones that do produce, we're at such a low scale of the major markets because we don't have our own stores. I mean, you would think of seeing stores like Trader Joe's and all these and all these sto these foreign stores coming over, we would say, hey, at least the black codgers would get together and say, hey, let's do this. Let's start creating some uh, uh, employment for our youth. Let's start really educating and working on the health field for our children. Let's do this. 
why isn't the African-American thinking this? And I think it's because, like Rick said, we're not, we're, we're trying to get ourselves off the planet. If you look at entertainment, if you look at entertainment, aren't we the biggest entertainers? Some of our people are dogged out so much here, they got to go to other countries to make a living. And those are the ones who have the talent. The talent, the talentless ones are left with us. And this is where you don't hear Curtis Mayfield no more. You don't hear people telling us we're a winner no more. We just twisted. And then sports, come on. Sports is a trillion dollar industry in America. I know they tell you it's a million or billion. It's in the trillions. Why? Because we make it like that. We do that. And we look at ourselves, the, the, the talent and what we bring to the world stage, we so busy looking outside of ourselves, we don't even understand what's going on within us. So that's why I say that's why we're important. We make the world go round. And since the world is running here on us, that's proof enough for it. Everybody's. People are leaving their ancestral homelands to come over here to squat on top of us. And we cool with it. What does that say about us? 605-562-3140. The phone lines are open. We have to ask questions. We have to start questioning things. Um... We talked to some people earlier in the week and the very, very, they're, they're telling us that we're crazy because we're teaching people that we're not Africans, that they're not Africans. So I, I suggest just do this. Just get some tape of people in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's, there's all kind of video. Could you mute your phones, please? There's all kind of video. There's all kind of proof. And it's like the brother said in Future Shot. We're going we gonna to wake up and it's going to be gone, y'all. We're going to have to connect ourselves back. We're going to have to connect ourselves back to our homeland. If not, you see what's happening to us now. So this is the purpose of African Americans ain't African to have us to look at ourselves like we're part of something we're not refugees we're not foreigners we're like we're Martin Luther King say we may be exiled in our own land but I think it's something that we can work out if we look into the higher aspects of ourselves if we are the eighth or ninth largest economy in the world where's our airlines I mean we fly just as much as anybody else Where's our professional sports leagues? I mean, seriously. Just, just, if you, in your mind, for a minute, take the African-American out of pro basketball. What would happen? Rick, what would happen? You would no longer have basketball because even Europeans want to see the best. And you are the best. And, Buck, I want to add uh, a little point when you was talking about uh, crossing the Atlantic and, and stuff like that. 
uh, I got a kind of, I got a question about that. Uh, if you're, you know, you're crossing the Atlantic and all, and I, I just wonder, you know, like today, in these days, you know how people like to um, relive things? Why do you have any of those uh, slave trips, you know, coming from Africa over here so people can relive those times? Oh, like a you know, cruise ship. Like a cruise ship. Right. Ooh, like the, like the love boat. Right. Oh, that would be interesting. You know why they don't have that? <laughs> you know why they don't have that? Uh, I think I do. Area code three three four. You had a question. You had something you wanted to bring to the forefront. No three three four. This is what I mean. This is what I mean, Rick. So this is the this is the position we find ourselves in now. This is the position we find ourselves in today. We're foreigners. We think we're foreigners. It's like so a burglar's coming into your house and telling you that this is not your house. This is his house and that you're just here. You came from outside. This is what's going on with us today in America. We have a caller that's trying to get in. 334, you had something you want to add. Well, hey, there, uh, Brother Cameron. Uh, Red Chief. Red <laughs> Red Chief, brother, how you doing? Man, you know, as, as I'm going back, this is the first time I call in. <laughs> well, well, thank you for calling in, Red Chief. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, just just uh, sitting here relaxing. <laughs> Good. But uh, enjoying the show. Thank Definitely. you. Just, let me let me know, let me let me let me let me let me let me introduce this brother to the audience. Uh-oh. <laughs> nah, brother, nah. This is a brother I met a little while ago. This brother is down in Tuskegee, Alabama. This brother's opened up my eyes so much on Alabama. My people are from here. But he opened up my eyes to the heart of Alabama and have shown me things in Alabama that we ought to be damn shamed of ourselves. (laughs) We ought to be shamed of ourselves. This cat has shown me what our folks used to do, how the waterway, the, the, the rivers are the freeways. That's where the idea yeah. of the freeways come from, from the rivers. These rivers, was, these rivers were our people's highways. But since we don't think we're from here, we don't even connect to that. And we'll be talking about that and, and get into this Project Reconnect, y'all. This Project Reconnect is going to be off the hook because it's going to connect you back to your ancestral homeland, Red Chief. Yes, can you sir. can you can you get can you share with the audience just a little bit of the history of where you're from? Uh, I'm from Tuskegee, Tallahassee, uh, Central Alabama, the heart of the Creek Confederacy, the Creek Nation, uh, right on the Tallapoosa River, and uh, my folks been here for years, man. We didn't come from Africa, huh? And Tuskegee, Tallahassee. 
Lyles County, just all in, in, in the southeast here, on the water. Why do they call people. that? Why do they call that area the Black Belt? Because <laughs> it's all the dark skin and different color Indians down here. <laughs> so why? So let me ask you this. this: This is a question that I've always wondered. Everywhere in the world, when you go places, the indigenous people are in that part of the world. Every, no matter where you go in the world, the indigenous people are here, there. The people that are in Mississippi, Alabama, the central and lower part of Alabama, Florida, and all that, are you telling me those are the indigenous people? Uh, correct. Uh, well, it stretches. Well, here in Alabama, we say the Black Belt, which starts at the uh, Columbus, Georgia, which is right on Phoenix, say they Columbus, Georgia, twin city. And it stretches across central Alabama over to Cuba, Alabama, which is on the state, uh, Alabama State Mississippi line, and Interstate 59 runs down south uh, to New Orleans. But actually, from, uh, you could say, coast to coast, <laughs> from, you know, the South Carolina coast, it's all over. You know, it's... it's uh, uh, we 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 got to stop the charade, and uh, you know I I I I, I was at a I spoke at Tuskegee University. And I told those young kids, I shared with them. I don't like to tell anybody anything. I like to share. You know, just read your history. It's pretty simple, as you always say. Connect the dots. Hmm. Yes. Connect the dots. The information is out there. We're just afraid. I mean, every day, I, you know, I, I obtain the new knowledge about really what's going on in this country. Uh, I was looking up blackface. Why do white people want to look like black folks? Well, huh? mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they imitate the people who own this country. You know, who, who were the first people that was here, that we still here. So, they, so let me ask you this. So they have a lot of uh, casinos are popping up down in Alabama, uh, Mississippi. Are those uh, are, now? They they call themselves Indian casinos, but what are they really? They are well, but well, they are a in Alabama is nine recognized tribes, only one federal recognized tribe. And they conduct all the legal gambling here. Well, over at Mason County, we had electronic bingo, and it shut down. They shut it down in 2010. And they were over there harping, oh, the, the Indians gambling, and we can't gamble, and we got a constitutional amendment, da da da. And I kind of shared with them, uh, y'all the Indians, so. <laughs> Is it what I mean? Something as simple as that, and that, and that's what I'm trying to, uh, the point I'm trying to get across. It, it, it's that simple. I mean, all of this we are being used. I mean, because in those casinos, it's nothing but us. Well, and, and that's that's the thing, you know. And then uh, I'm I'm just you know I. You know how I am. I'm going to say it. I'm the elder now, and I'm 60 years old, still young. 
But I got to tell the truth. And the truth is, we ain't from Africa. And I have went to the officials that pressed them. Show me the evidence. All the evidence that I researched is false. Hmm? Now, when Why you say it's false. Of people, well, it's false. They bought all us from Africa. It's false. Well, Why you going to bring somebody away from Africa when you got people right here? Right. That's foolishness. Yeah. Well, well, well. In, in in closing up, in closing up, Rondé, what what do you think down in the Black Belt could be helpful down there to the people of that area? To realize. Well, let me let me let me say it like this, Gary. The Black Belt in Alabama. From from state line to Georgia state line to the Mississippi state. Cuba, Alabama. Pretty simple, isn't it? Huh? Simple. Cuba, Alabama is on the Mississippi, on the west boundary of Alabama and the east boundary of Mississippi, which used to be one territory. So, you know, and it just so happened it's the poets. You follow me? That's what they say. Oh, this is, this is the poorest, but it's, it's some of the richest soil, and they don't, uh, the powers in me don't want, want nothing to happen because they control everything, and they can hunt and fish, and we run around here with our heads cut off. <laughs> wow. Well, Ron, it's that simple. It's that simple. Well, brother, thank you for joining us tonight, man, and thank yeah, you for your yeah. input. Uh, yeah. And hope, and please call. Call us, call us again soon, sometime, brother. Anytime. Yeah. Well, I had you in my spirit, and I said, well, I hadn't called in, uh, but uh, let's let's move forward and stop this nonsense. It's nonsense. Yes, and sir. If they got hey, if they got stuff, if they got the evidence, that's what impressed them. Show us. That's stuff they got. They they prove. You know. Yeah. Thank you so much for hey taking my call there. All right, Chief brother. Garrett? All right, thank you a lot, All right, brother. Appreciate you. you. Thank you. All right. All right, All right. All right go. Yeah. All right. So, Rick, so, 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 Nisi, is that the same? Is that is that the same thing that's going on up in your part of the neck of the woods? Well, what the brother was just talking about down there, how the control of the land and how we're like just walking around here like we don't even exist. Definitely here up to my way. When people come here, they say they, they give it a, a flavor and say it's the Memphis mentality. Years ago, I used to reject that and kind of fuss and debate with people about it. But I, I don't do anything but say they're correct. We, we, we have on on the uh, scale nationally. I think we're like the 17th or 18th city. Might be moved up a little further than that. It is 68% black. We have black leadership. The mindset, you would think that this would be a progressive city. The mindset of people, it it starts at the top and then it comes down to the base of the people. And it's what we say all the time. People simply don't believe that they can. You have to believe that you can. You have to know that you can. But what we find is that most people don't know who they are, so they think that they are nobody. Is it really that simple? Is it really that simple, Neasley? I, I, I mean, I, I hear you. 
I hear you. But we don't have, we can't even feed ourselves. No. We are, we are in our own backyard, and we are ignorant on feeding ourselves. Now, we'll sit up and brag about how shiny the car is or how many shingles are on the roof, but simple stuff like that. We can't feed ourselves. We can't educate our own children. We don't have, we, I mean, so, and, and I'm just wondering, is it, is this it? Is this the, the, this is it? It's like the brother said in the song, this is it for us. You just said what it is. Go ahead, Nisa. All I was going to say, all I was going to say is finish this thought. You just said what it is for some reason. And, you know, it it, it behooves me because it's never been me, but Mm. we, we are easily distracted by shiny things, stuff and materialism. So while other people are not distracted by that, all that stuff is nice and well, it's not their focus. Things seem to be our focus. And things lead us away from the collective. They lead us to individualism. They lead us on a track that is really to our detriment because no group can survive without having sufficient ties to its collective. So we get further and further away in our silos because of things and stuff. And that's just a, a, a duped hoodwinking that's been played on us. Ooh, that's exactly, that's exactly how I see it. Ma'am, you had a, ma'am, you had something you wanted to add? Uh, uh, I did. Uh, Nisi hit, hit, it on the, hit it on the head. Um, I was going to um, simply pretty much say what she um, indicated, which very, very nicely done, Nisi, is that um, we are too busy with the individualism to even try to come together as a collective. We can't even come together on the most simplistic, the most lower level. We can't come together and unite to do things constructive. So it's easy to see why we cannot do it on a more granular scale. When, it's, when, when we try to do these things as a collective, there's always a wrench that's thrown in it. There's always some negative forces that's thrown in it. I'm hoping that going forward that we can come up with some solutions and some ideas to, to get us out of this constraining situation that we've allowed ourselves to, to fall into. Ma'am, Not trying to be a victim, but it is a very, very bad situation right now. Ma'am, let me let me ask you a question, ma'am. You when you said constraining, I could hear the the anxiety in your voice. What do you could you could you elaborate on when you say constraining? Well, basically what the word is, we 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 put constraints on ourselves. We don't allow ourselves to um uh, fully reach our own potentials because we don't look in you know, you had um, a chief um, golden eagle on uh, your show a few weeks ago, and she talked about you are everything that you will ever need if you just look within. And we don't do that, so we put these constraints on ourselves based on our external environment, based on what we uh, get from our senses, from our physical senses. So we place these constraints on ourselves and, 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 and we hold or retard our abilities, our power, 
because we don't feel that we're worthy enough. So we strive to get the things that we see, taste, touch, and feel. Goes back to what you said, consumerism. Remember, if we are not building, others are manipulating us. Phone lines are open. Anybody have anything they want to add before we close out? Rick, last words, brother. Uh, I just want to say that um, we have got to turn this thing around. Uh, we got to, we like to say, we got to start building. Uh, like I said earlier, we are responsible for the viability of this of this landmass called America. We're responsible for that. So, Rick, if a person, if say a person, say a person's hearing you for the first time, Rick, what would you? And he say build, and you, and he's, and you're saying build. What would you what would you have them build? What would you tell them? How would you lead them to build? What would you ex- have them to do? Well, we need to start uh, building uh, like uh, homes for ourselves uh, that don't have to be so expensive instead of buying from other folks. Uh, well, we need the earth first, actually. We need to start buying earth. We need to start. We need to start growing our own food. We need to start making our own clothes. We need to. Uh, we start. We need to start using the medicine that was put here for us to keep ourselves uh, healthy. We. We. I mean, we could talk about this all night, uh, and hopefully we have. Uh, we have a show. We're talking about all the all the things that we we need. And that we have to have in order because we are important to this landmass called America. Because if we don't turn it around and make this place the place it's supposed to be, this place is going to be gone. And if you don't believe me, ask Egypt. And with that, I want to say good night to everybody. Wow, Rick, you make it seem so real. You make it seem so real. Nisi, your last words. Well, my brother Buck, I would say that one of the things we have to do, we talk about being awake, and we say that a lot, and it's a real thing. We don't like to mean for it to be clichéous, but we have to keep saying the reason people awaken is because they have finally stopped agreeing to things that insult their soul. What have we have we gotten to the point that nothing insults our souls? That's what it seems like. If you're at a crossroads, then you've got to stop complying and being obedient to ideologies and cultural stigmas and outdated traditions when you know, you know within your innate core your soul of souls, your your being, that is bullshit. And it doesn't sit well with you. It doesn't sit well with you, with your with your state of consciousness. You know this, okay? If you have to pry your third eye open, do what you will to see, okay? 
to gain your vision because you cannot even begin your journey until you do that. And with that, good night, family. Remember, y'all, we can help them build their empires while we have none. I don't think so. I'm Buck Wilder, African-Americans. You know what it is, y'all. African-Americans ain't Africans. Yeah. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.